we all have a personal brand. Like whether you want to talk about it or not, we have a brand. If people can look you up online or other people can talk right. about you online, you have a personal brand, whether you want it or not. It's basically what you're putting out there and what other people are putting out there about you. Um, and if you're not contributing to your personal brand, that still speaks volumes about your brand. It essentially says that you're not opting in um, and maybe you're not on social. Why are you not on social? Are you not comfortable? Um, do you not have the technical proficiency? Like, it, you know, it's, it is out there. And so I think it's better to take control of it and shape it in a way that you are more comfortable with. Have you ever noticed that some of the best ideas come from unexpected places? Your next breakthrough may come from a leader facing similar challenges, but in a completely different sector. Welcome to Chief Influencer. I'm your host, Anthony Shop. Join us as we explore how today's successful leaders inspire, influence, and connect with others. Chief Influencer is a production of Social Driver and the Communications Board, who have teamed up to spotlight how great leaders and communicators are making their impact in the world. This episode is brought to you by the George Washington University's College of Professional Studies. With in-person and online programs, ranging from master's degrees in public relations strategy to certificate programs in digital communications, GW offers more than just the credentials to help working professionals get ahead. It prepares them to be leaders in their field. As a proud GW graduate myself, I can attest that faculty members combine academic rigor with real-world lessons that can't always be found in textbooks. Check out cps.gwu.edu for more information. I am so excited to introduce today's guest, Leah Haberman. Leah is a digital marketing expert, strategist, and speaker who is best known for her popular newsletter, In Case You Missed It. She has amassed nearly 20,000 subscribers across Substack and LinkedIn by sharing industry trends and insights in an easily digestible and entertaining format. I am a loyal reader. I absolutely love it. And I'm so excited that we get to talk today. Buffer included, in case you missed it, as one of their best marketing newsletters of 2023 and Business Insider named Leah as a top creator economy expert to know. The newsletter was started as a way for Leah to keep in touch with her students. She's a lecturer for UCLA Extensions, Leadership Management, Communications Programs, and Corporate Education courses there. But the newsletter soon took off among the creator community and has grown to have a major following among marketers as well. Leah's career has spanned stents at entertainment and lifestyle brands, including E, Yahoo, Dick Clark Productions, and The Wrap. She served as CMO of FitBody App, where she led marketing efforts for a female-focused fitness and nutrition app founded by CEO, NASM certified trainer and influencer, Anna Victoria. Through her consulting, Leah has worked with AT&T, Riot Games, Hourglass Cosmetics, Dive Through, Influence.co, Without Exception Films, and the American Influencer Council. So we are really uh, going to have a treat today diving into the creator economy, but also hearing from an influencer of influencers. So welcome to Chief Influencer, Leah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, I should point out as well, when you go to the newsletter, it's I-C-Y-M-I or the abbreviation for in case you missed it, which sometimes, um, you know, people see I-C-Y-M-I and are like, what does that mean? But it stands yes. for in case you missed it. 
Yeah, I use that abbreviation, and I find some people are like, "What are you saying?" And uh, no, cool. you know, <laughs> I don't know if it makes me feel young or makes me feel old that I'm using abbreviations that people don't know. Does it mean that I have Riz, uh, <laughs> which is the new word of the year? Word of the year, yeah. <laughs> well, okay, I have to ask you to start, Leah. Did you ever expect that your newsletter would have nearly twenty thousand combined subscribers? Um, not at all. Like you mentioned, it started as um, a way to help students keep up with trends. Um, I also had some consulting clients at the time. And so it was really kind of an in internal focus. It was for clients. It was for students. Um, it was really never meant to be an external focused newsletter. Um, and so, you know, often when I tell people who start a project, whether it's a newsletter, whether it's a social account, you know, you really need to have a plan, you need to have a goal, you need to have a strategy. And I had none of those things. It was really a bullet point list that I was putting out to a very small group of people. So I never really expected it to get to the stage that it has gotten to now. So I may have done things a little differently, maybe if I had, you know, 20 hindsight is 2020 looking back, if I'd known where it would get to. Um, but I also think it took a lot of pressure off me because I had I didn't really have the intention to grow the newsletter or to become sort of a, you know, a thought leader or a B2B creator. It was really just, I need to get some information to these people. I'm going to put it in a newsletter. And that's the easiest way to get the information to them. You know, it's so interesting, I think, hearing you describe that journey that, of course, the textbook marketing strategy approach is like, you know, know your goal before you do something. And then yet often successes, I mean, this has been a big success don't start that way. They start with sort of like following your gut a little bit. And then you kind of build in the strategy a little bit more later. And I wonder kind of how you think about that since you do consulting and, you know, you're, like you said, you're probably saying, well, I'll start with a goal, but then at the same time, you see successes that, that come from, um, you know, just kind of following a passion, following something that makes sense. So what do you sort of make of that contradiction? Um, traditionally, I would not advise somebody to follow my path. So it's like, do as I say, not as I do. Um, it was an unintentional success. Most of the time, I would say you want to, you know, I think the tried and true path is usually the best path to take. I think in this case, I got lucky. I think I hit newsletters at just the right time when people were getting really invested in, um, you know, consumer facing newsletters newsletters were having a little bit of a comeback i don't think we were at kind of a saturation point newsletters have come and gone um i was on twitter i was on linkedin i was on instagram for a really long time and just i don't know that i really found my audience on those platforms i you know i built out a decent audience on all of those platforms um i think just there was something about the newsletter that just hit I think people just liked receiving the information that I was putting out in that way. Um, and so I think, you know, it does go to show that if you're, whether you're a creator, whether you're an executive, whether you're, you know, whatever it is that you are the stage that you're at, I think it's just, there's a way to convey the information um, that makes you comfortable and that the audience is receptive to receiving that information. And I think it's just, sometimes you've just got to test, you know, how is the best way that I'm most comfortable um, sharing that information and the audience is most comfortable in receiving that information. I think there's something really powerful about the idea. Um, and this is really how you started, which is, Hey, 
there's a specific group of people that I want to keep in touch with. And, you know, you can only have so many coffees and individual phone calls. So what if I come up with something that I can share with a small group, right? And like what started as a small list has really grown. And it strikes me that there are a lot of leaders who could really benefit from emulating that without the plan to get it to be so big. Maybe it never gets so big because they may rely like their company may have, you know, like a MailChimp or something that goes to everybody, but it's a formal newsletter that comes from the organization. And then they might have their own inner circle, whether it's their board or their best customers or colleagues, and they don't really have a strategy to just keep in touch with those folks, except, you know, maybe they have a holiday card or something that goes out and just saying, I'm going to come up with something to just keep a relationship with a small number of people. And then in your case, that really took off, but there was just value in you using that to connect with students and clients, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, with the with the students, for example, like I said, I'd been on Twitter and LinkedIn and I just assumed, you know, one of my students came to me and said after the, the class was over and said, how am I going to stay on, stay on top of trends? And I thought, I'm putting stuff out on Twitter. I just assumed, like, why wouldn't you follow me on Twitter? But it just wasn't the right place for them. Um, and in a similar way, you know, one of my clients, um, I wanted to kind of reinforce the things that I was saying in our regular meetings without having to, like, keep yeah. texting or slacking or every time I saw her saying, like, hey, don't forget, remember what I told you. Um, and so I think the newsletter worked. And like you said, it wasn't, um, you know, sometimes maybe communications can be kind of a little too stiff and formal. And it's like the mm -hmm. company newsletter. Um, and I started this in a really friendly, informal bullet point list. Um, you know, hey, guys, this is a note from me. This is what you need to know. And I did try and keep it pretty brief. I think that's one of the problems with newsletters is a lot of times, and, and we're all guilty of this is kind of, um, you know, trying to include everything but the kitchen sink yeah. and really and going far too long. Um, and people just get overwhelmed. Our inboxes are clogged. There's too much to go through. And so I tried to drill it down to here are the really important things that happened this week. And then also, these are the ones that I know are going to have an impact, whether it's an impact on, you know, if you're a social media manager, this is going to actually have an impact on your job and how it's going to change today. Yeah. Or if you're slightly higher up, you're an executive, for example, or you're the founder of a startup, um, this is probably going to have an impact maybe this quarter or this year in how social is shifting or how, as a creator, we see the industry shifting. So just like keep this in the back of your mind. I'm putting this on your radar so you're aware that this is the direction the industry is going. Um, so really, and I think that that's something important is like keep it short. Um, keep it to the stuff that's essential that helps people do their jobs. Um, and, you know, just really think about, does this need to be in there? I don't need to include every single item. Really think about your audience and what's going to have an impact on, you know, what they do, what they do today and what they do next week and six months from now and kind of yeah. add your perspective. Like, hey, this is why you need to know this um, in a really, again, like 10 words or less. Um, yeah. and that's, and it's a challenge. It is a challenge to keep it short and fun and slightly funny. I'm not a funny person, but I try and add some humor or kind of like a lightness where I can. So it's not too dense and overwhelming. 
I think what you're hitting on there is so important. It's that sort of what's in it for them, right? Because I've seen so many newsletters that are just self-indulgent or, you know, well, here's a bunch of updates at my company. I don't care about what's going on. You're going, you know, it's when there's something that helps me that I'm actually going to open it and I'm not going to unsubscribe. And I have to say, I, like I said at the top, I am a regular reader of your newsletter. I love it. I really value, I mean, why you're here. I was like, can we get her on? Because I would love to hear great advice from Leah Haberman because I get her in my inbox every week. I love the value, the value that you provide through clarity. You, um, like I get little snippets of things that are trends in the industry that are important that I need to know. Like, oh, LinkedIn is not like, going to have carousels anymore. You know, that's a good thing for me to know that where else would I, that's not going to be in the wall street journal. Um, LinkedIn may not necessarily promote that change because you know, that's like, you know, they're going to focus on what they're adding, not what they're removing. And, you know, just like some stories and examples, but, but you, you do it in a light, funny way. You have emoji, it is skimmable, you know, there's graphics. And so I guess I'm wondering what advice that you would give a leader who's thinking about launching their own newsletter or some other thought leadership channel? You, you gave a little bit already, but what are some of the kind of key things that they should think about? And especially, I want to hear like how you found your voice because you have a um, a unique, consistent voice that comes through. Where I, 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 if I didn't see your name at the top, I would know just from looking at it and reading it that this is yours. And I think that that's really important too. And some folks struggle to find that. So, so basically, indulge us. Tell us all the secrets for people who want to launch their own thing and and emulate your success. Ten minutes. Let me just like yeah, give you yeah. all my secrets. Um, <laughs> I appreciate what you said about voice, and I think that while that's not necessarily the number one thing, I do think it's important to have. Uh, perspective. And now that there are so many newsletters, just so much, we're all putting out so much content in general, so many LinkedIn accounts, so many Twitter threads, Instagram, TikTok, you know, just we're all publishing, we're all giving our perspective. Um, But you need to add your voice, you need to add your point of view. And I think, you know, I, I have had a long career in this. And so when I'm sharing information, I think the perspective I bring is that I love, I love social marketing. I love influencer marketing. I love the creator economy. I love all this stuff, but I've also been around a little while. So sometimes when I see stuff that maybe, you know, somebody who's just getting started in their career is going to be excited about, I'm like, we've heard Meta say this before. I've been to F6, F7, F8, whatever, you know, Facebook's developer conference that they you know, haven't had for a while since the pandemic, but it's like, I've been to those conferences. I remember when Mark Zuckerberg said X, Y, and Z, and I'm like, you know what? We've been through this before. Or when they said that, this is what happened. And so for me, I'm kind of looking at it through a lens of, is this really going to be good for a social media manager? Is this going to be good for a small to mid-sized business owner? Is this going to be good for a creator? So I'm trying to look at it through a lens of, I'm excited, I love social media. I love the platforms. You know, I love when we get something new, like a new feature or something's going to happen. But I also want to be realistic and kind of think about like, really, is this going to be good for the, the everyday user or the business owner or the creator? So that's kind of the perspective that I think I bring to it is kind of like a no BS perspective of like, 
great, it's new, but what does this really mean for us? So that's my perspective that I bring, but I think everybody can bring a different perspective. And I think that that's what sets you apart. Otherwise, we're all publishing news. There is so much news. There's a glut of news. I think just announcing the news is no longer enough. You have to bring a point of view. I think you have to be consistent. If you're going to be putting this out, it's got to be dependable. It's got to come out whether it's once a week, whether it's once every two weeks, once a month, or even, you know, once a day, if you're able to manage kind of that output, depending on what platform that you're on, um, it just needs to be consistent. People have to be able to depend on it. If you're sending something out every day or once a week and all of a sudden you disappear, people are like, okay, this is not consistent. Can't count on this. Let me find the person that is going to deliver on a daily or weekly basis that I can count on. Um trying to think of some other things, uh, you know, consistency. Um. What about how you decide who your audience is? And I, I think that that's sometimes, you know, folks who have various stakeholder groups, it's kind of like, it's easy for it to be for everybody, right? You know, the general public yeah. or something. And so how do you deal with that? I think that's an interesting point because I think at the beginning, I thought, okay, I started this for students and at the beginning, it was some corporate clients, but primarily creators. Um, so I was working for a creator who had, uh, who was an entrepreneur who had launched her own business. Um, so I was working for a lot of different, you know, particularly a creator and, uh, you know, other consulting for other creators. Um, over time, my audience evolved. And what I started to notice, I was doing uh, surveys and just talking to different people in the community. And I noticed a lot more marketers started to join the newsletter. I also started to, you know, especially at the beginning when I had less subscribers, I would look at every single person, especially kind of in the early days, I would look at every single name that's sub subscribed. So I'd be like, look at the emails as they came in, like I got a new subscriber. And I'd look at like, who subscribed? Um, and I was it was very exciting, especially like getting to like 100, 200 subscribers. Um, and so I'd look at the names and they'd be from a lot of agencies, marketing agencies. And I realized that the makeup of my audience was shifting. And so, you know, I never want to get away from the original purpose was to serve students and creators and help them figure stuff out and get them information that they need to, to kind of make the decisions that they need to make either as students when they're trying to, you know, maybe get their first job out of college or as creators and kind of like arm them with information. But I have to respect the fact that now I would say probably 75% of my audience is now marketers. Um, so, you know, with that in mind, I do think that the information I provide, the tone, some of the interviews that I do have shifted slightly to uh, acknowledge the fact that I do have a lot more marketers in my audience. And so now I think about, okay, if it's a marketer, like maybe instead of this information being from a creator perspective, it's more about how can I work with a creator? How do, you know, how are we setting up this deal? Who are the creators we should be working with? Um, so I think you want to go in with it's okay that your audience evolves, but I think you want to go in with thinking who is going to be the audience for this and writing for them and for the information that they need. And then if over time your audience evolves, then that's fine. I think you can kind of periodically check in and see who's subscribing, who's reading. Um, and if it does change, you adjust. Um, and if it doesn't change, great. You can kind of keep going with, I'm writing for this for, and if it's, 25 people in your office, that's okay. It doesn't need to grow to 
you know, 20, 30, 50,000 subscribers out there, you know that it's for the 25 people in your office. And this is a great way to cheer them on, recognize their efforts, let them know about things that they might have missed. Um, you know, and we all know this, especially as marketers. And I, I had this discussion recently, like the, the we have to see something seven times before we purchase it. Like you're supposed to let the customer know, um, send out the message seven times before they make a purchase. Um, and I think it's the same thing with it, with like a school should send home a message to the student's parents seven times before they're actually aware that like there's a PTA meeting on Friday night or, you know, a library should send a notice that there's seven times that a book is overdue before somebody remembers to return it. Like we all need to be reminded of stuff. We're all so busy and overloaded that I think that even in an office and you're sending a message out to your team, um, I think that you know, maybe it's like you're supposed to sign up for benefits or maybe uh, there's like a 401k contribution meeting. Like if there's one email that goes out, I think the majority of times it's just not on people's radar. And so I think sending out, like you said, even in an office, sending out a newsletter to your team to let them know, hey, guys, don't forget here's seven things that happened this week or seven things to have on your radar for next week. Um, I do think it's a really effective way just to, you know, make people's lives easier, like put things on their radar, remind them of things that have happened or things that are coming up that you feel are important. Yeah, that it's a good reminder. It's a little depressing, isn't it? It's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to do this seven times to sing. I mean, through. look, it's we have the attention of goldfish. We're, we've been conditioned by short form video. It is what it is. You know, it's yeah. just these are the solutions and the adaptations that we've come up with. But it shows the importance if you do have to send the message out multiple times, having different voices. And, you know, not just relying on your corporate brand and your logo to do the work, but having it come from different people, you know, that I think is a really important lesson because if my friend tells me or my work colleague tells me it's going to sink in in a different way, then I get another, you know, nameless, faceless email from the corporation or something like that. Yep. You know, um, we've been kind of talking a little bit about, okay, what if you launch what if somebody wants to launch a newsletter or a thought leadership and, you know, making the assumption baked into that, of course, that they would see the value. Many leaders might say, well, my work is so good. It should just speak for itself. I don't want to have to promote myself and I don't want to have to do this. And I wonder if you could share what you've learned about the power of visibility and building a personal brand, you know, because you're a consultant, you're a teacher, but then now you've You've delved into being a creator yourself. Um, and I wonder sort of what lessons you share with other leaders, particularly those who might be a little skeptical or hesitant to become a creator or build their own personal brand. Um, yes, building your own personal brand, it's so important. Um, somebody had said to me recently, I was at a conference and somebody said to me, um, you know, your newsletter is great. Like five years ago, nobody knew who you were. And now everybody knows you. And I kind of laughed because I thought like, I've had this great, like, Gee, thanks. long <laughs> and successful career. Um, but sure, yes, the newsletter has definitely put me on people's radars. And I think introduced me 
to more of a maybe mainstream audience than, you know, whether it's like working at a company or being on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, it's just kind of opened up maybe avenues for me, you know, than I had previously had. There's uh there's a speaker that I'm friends with um in LA that does a lot of conferences. Uh, and her name is Goldie Chin. And she said, I, I actually wrote this down. She said, if you aren't talking about yourself or people aren't talking about you, then people don't know you exist. Um, and that's Goldie Chan. And she does conferences all the time on personal branding. And it's so true. Like you think that because you're doing good work or maybe because you spoke at the company offhands, um, everybody knows what you're doing, um, you know, how hard you're working, what project you're on. But everybody is so busy and so focused on their own efforts and their own output that people aren't thinking about the great work that you did. Um, and so, you know, I think whether it's a newsletter, whether it's social media, I do think that you need to be talking about yourself. You do need to be talking about the work that you're doing. You need to be talking about, and you know, it's not all self-promotion. I understand somebody who says, I don't want to just be bragging about myself all the time. I don't want to be just promoting, you know, myself. Um, like, I, it's just, I'm not comfortable with that. You know, you can also talk about your team. You can also talk about shine a spotlight on your coworkers or even the work that your company is doing. It doesn't have to be all about you all the time. I do think you have to talk about yourself a little bit. Um, but I do think personal branding is so important. Um, it's something that, you know, probably like the 90s to 2000s, that was kind of like when we saw that shift, especially with the dawn of the internet email, then social media, um, then influencers and creators. It's just become inevitable to the point where, yes, now we all need to have or need to be working on our personal brand. And we all have a personal brand. Like whether you want to talk about it or not, we have a brand. If people can look you up online or other people can talk okay. about you online, you have a personal brand, whether you want it or not. It's basically what you're putting out there and what other people are putting out there about you. Um, and if you're not contributing to your personal brand, that still speaks volumes about your brand. It essentially says that you're not opting in um, and maybe you're not on social. Why are you not on social? Are you not comfortable? Um, do you not have the technical proficiency? Like, it, you know, it's, it is out there. And so I think it's better to take control of it and shape it in a way that you are more comfortable with. Yeah, you know, I've I've always um, struck by this phenomenon where there will be someone who is like a leading expert in their industry. Like if they go to the industry conference, like everybody knows this person, you know. But then if you like Google a question or you look on YouTube or you look at like they're invisible. It's as if that person doesn't even exist. And I don't think it's necessarily a great thing when non-experts figure out how to use the internet to suddenly become experts, you know, when we have like celebrities supporting health misinformation and, you know, conspiracies. That's okay. This is not a good thing. But on the flip side, that makes it even more important that the real experts kind of own up to the fact that they have to claim the real estate 
in the digital space to be visible if they want to advance their work. Otherwise, the world's going to move past them. And um, that could be in an industry association, a nonprofit, in the world of diplomacy. You know, it could be whatever industry or world that you live in. But there is a bit of a wake up call that I think that you're encouraging folks to think about here, which is you have to own it. You have to claim your personal brand because if you don't, you're not going to be visible. And you're, I think, leaving an opening for people who probably have less expertise or who may even be harmful in your industry. Right. You're you're leaving a space for self-appointed experts versus somebody who actually is an expert. And I think to your point, especially now, um, you know, conference organizers, uh, they'll look when they're considering booking somebody as a speaker, for example, they're going to look on YouTube. They're going to look on social media. They want an idea. They want to see, like, how does this person speak? What is their prior work look like? And a lot of times, um, you know, if I'm recommending somebody for a conference or even an online webinar, for example, they'll say, oh, can you send us some links? Can you send us mm-hmm. anything that's online that we can take a look at? And so, you know, the the people that have a website, that have a YouTube channel, that have something online that I'm able to point to, um, it's just so much easier and less of a lift for, you know, whether it's conference organizers or, you know, institutions um, to just be able to look and see, yes, here is all the information about them. You know, of course, you want them to do their due diligence and make sure that this person has all of the uh, credentials that kind of like back up their online identity. Um, but it definitely it helps. It, you can't deny that it helps. So. Some leaders might be like, I hear that, but I'm an introvert, Leah. Um, And what do you say to folks that might be introverted and feeling, you know, some stress and anxiety about hearing this pressure that we're discussing to to get out there? Um, I would say, well, I'm an introvert. Uh, Newsletters are great. If you're (laughs) friends with me, I've convinced a friend to start a true crime newsletter. I've convinced a friend to start a copy editing newsletter. Um, So if we're friends, I'm probably going to convince you to start a newsletter, which is fantastic for introverts. Um, I think, you know, newsletters are great for getting your point of view across. I think newsletters are great for branding yourself, for being able to share your thought leadership on a regular basis um, in a way that's kind of maybe a little bit more comfortable than video. Uh, I love TikTok. I look at TikTok almost every day. I do think the short form video trend is going to pass me by. I'm not really interested in creating video. It's just not something I feel comfortable doing. Um, While I very much appreciate watching other people do it, and I think there are some people, um, you know, that do it really, really well, it's just not something that I'm going to do. So, you know, we, we talked about this already, but I think it's like, finding the way that you're comfortable disseminating your message um, in the same way that you want to find the way that your audience is comfortable receiving it. If you're not comfortable doing video, that's okay. In that case, that's you know why I recommend doing a newsletter. Um, it could be LinkedIn posts. You might be more comfortable with your even a LinkedIn newsletter. Like That's also an option. LinkedIn has an option to be able to do a newsletter on their platform. Um, you could do LinkedIn posts. You know, there's like a variety of ways that you can get the information out there um, that doesn't necessarily require launching a YouTube channel, 
a TikTok channel, an Instagram channel, for example. So, you know, I think for me, a newsletter was just a really good way at first just to get the information out and then over the the past three years to kind of expand on that and start sharing, you know, bigger ideas and concepts um, as I want, as the audience grew to be able to say like, oh, okay, let me go a little bit further than just here's 10 bullet points, but let's talk about, you know, where the industry is going and some of like some get into topics a little bit deeper than just a very short list. Um, and so, and that's been really helpful for me. I mean, you know, at this point, I'm doing a lot of consulting, and all of the consulting clients that I have have come through the newsletter. I think people like my perspective. They've also been able to see, you know, they've kind of followed the journey and they're able to follow my thought leadership and see my perspective on things. And I think that they see that, you know, they align with my values and my my stance on um you know the industry and the way that I think about things and so it's been really valuable it's all, it's essentially kind of i would say almost like building a resume in public every week on friday for 3 years um it's essentially you're reintroducing yourself and your thoughts um on the industry to people kind of over and over and over again so um yeah i i think even even as an introvert, um, being able to kind of like put those words on paper is still yeah. extremely valuable. And you've talked a little bit about your style with the newsletter and how it's evolved. Um, I'd, I'd love to just hear your thoughts on kind of what you see as like a typical email newsletter versus the style that you're trying to go for. And then I know you now have a vantage point on many different styles of newsletters because folks might hear email newsletter and just have something in their mind, like of what their company does. They may not currently subscribe to any Substacks, and they may not be familiar with that. And so kind of maybe you can crack open like the, the term newsletter for us because it can mean a lot of different things. It can. And I think it also gets confused with email marketing. So email marketing versus email newsletter Email marketing and email newsletter is kind of the difference between like paid social and organic social. So email marketing is really about driving sales, whereas email newsletter is about informing people, bringing them news and engaging them. Then when you get to the newsletter you know, side of it, um, I think a lot of corporate newsletters, um, like we said, they can be very self-indulgent, they can be very long, they can be very promotional. I think about a newsletter as being really consumer facing. So even if it's an internal newsletter, you know, think about it as if this were consumer facing, if we were sending this out to people, you know, we want to keep it short. We want to keep it interesting. Um, we want to make sure that we want to think about open rate. We want to think about click through rate. Like, are people actually reading this? Are they clicking on the links that we want them to? So really thinking about performance if you send something internally, you know, you're a little bit less concerned, like, sure, you'd like employees to read it, but there's probably a little bit less pressure than if you were sending it externally to, uh, you know, whether it's customers or or clients, students, you know, whoever it is, um, there's a little bit more pressure when you're sending it externally. So that's kind of the the approach that I would take. Think about this is going out to the world even if it is internal, try to make it a consumer-facing newsletter so that you're you're really putting that pressure on yourself to make it as 
interesting and entertaining, um, and I would say brief as possible, uh, so that you know people are engaged, so that people do look forward to receiving this, so that there is some value there, and it really does provide. Um, information that they want versus just the promotional message that you're trying to push out. You mentioned brief. If I'm remembering right, I think you said you knew somebody who had like a one paragraph newsletter, like super brief, right? Yeah. And so, and that was something that we, we worked on. Um, I had a friend who wanted to launch a newsletter and she just had a really lit, she's a founder of a startup. She had really limited bandwidth. And so we, we kind of like tossed around different ideas and we, we talked about it. Um, and a newsletter does not need to be, you know, a page long. It doesn't need to be multiple paragraphs. I think, you know, depending on the information that you want to share, depending on the audience that's getting it, um, this one ended up being a paragraph of just really interesting information around one single topic. Um, And so I think, you know, if that's something, if you can explain something around, I don't know, you're sending out once a week, you're sending out a cocktail recipe, for example. Um, Once a week, you're sending out um, like a, I don't know, how a a flag got designed, um, you know, something like really interesting, um, kind of like an obscure fact, uh, like that could be enough for your audience. Something that's just kind of like piques their curiosity, gives them just enough information to keep them informed, um, but doesn't overload them with details. Like, that's a newsletter and that should not detract or take away from the value of your newsletter because it's a paragraph. People may look very forward to, great, this is something I can read through really quickly and easily, be informed, I enjoy it, Yeah, I can move on with my day. Okay, so let's say we have a leader listening in and they're like, you've sold me, Leah, I'm gonna launch a newsletter. Should I do a Substack? Should I do a mail merge? Should I do a MailChimp? Should I do it on LinkedIn? What? How would you advise somebody who might be at that point in the process? Yeah. So let me explain. Substack is the newsletter platform that I publish on. So, um, like WordPress, like you know, at Medium, like any platform that you publish on, Substack is a newsletter publishing platform. I find it really easy. I like it. Um, it is free, uh, which is great. That's a bonus. Um, so I like I like Substack. Uh, I would definitely encourage anybody that wants to put out a newsletter to check them out. I think that's a, you know, definitely a very worthy platform to check out. The two other ones that are also focused on newsletters are um, Beehive and ConvertKit. I've not tested them, so I can't say whether they're good or not. I just know that they also do newsletters. MailChimp is for email marketing. So that's really more where you're focused on sales. I would not say MailChimp is great for newsletters. Uh, Not a bad service at all, but it's just, it's a different focus. That's where, you know, if you've got a product that you're trying to sell or uh, tickets to something, you know, MailChimp, great, not for newsletters. Um, LinkedIn is good. I think LinkedIn's newsletter is good if you're on LinkedIn a lot or you know your audience is on LinkedIn. Um, I think the LinkedIn newsletter is a good option. The only drawback to the LinkedIn newsletter is that you don't get people's emails. Um, So if 
you know, you wanted to grow your audience, if you had ambitions to grow a large audience and you wanted to keep that data or that information, you would not be able to get that information. So, you know, for some people, that could be a drawback. Um, on the flip side, if you launch a LinkedIn newsletter, when you launch the newsletter, everyone who follows you gets a notification to follow to follow your newsletter. Every time you send a newsletter on LinkedIn, everybody gets a notification that the newsletter has gone out. So it's really, really great for visibility. So if you have a strong presence or you're trying to build a strong presence on LinkedIn, it is a really good platform to launch your newsletter on. So that's definitely a consideration. Um, so I think, you know, depending on what your goal is, um, you know, I would say probably Substack, then LinkedIn uh, would probably be my two top picks of if I was going to launch a newsletter. Those are the two that you're on. <laughs> so that makes sense. You you, you know as well. Um, you and I originally met on Clubhouse. I don't even know if everybody remembers Clubhouse, the audio uh, platform that, you know, was in vogue for a while. And I don't know what's happening there these days, but that just shows how kind of ephemeral the digital landscape is. And I wonder if you could just share from your vantage point, you're, you know, a creator yourself, but you cover this stuff more than anybody I know. What channels do you think will be even more important over the next year or two? Um, yes. It's so funny. I do remember, like, I really enjoyed Clubhouse kind of while it was around, but um, have not been back in a while. Um, so the ones that I think are going to be important, you know, I would say 2024 and things change so frequently and quickly that I would say, take this with a grain of salt and check back in with me in six months. Yeah. For the next six months, I would focus on um, LinkedIn, Instagram, and WhatsApp. Um, Mark Zuckerberg has said that Meta is fo really focused on WhatsApp. They There are WhatsApp groups and WhatsApp channels. Um, WhatsApp is very big globally. I know, you know, in the U.S., and I'm sure you uh, being in D.C. and also working with, you know, a lot of, you know, international uh, people are probably more aware of WhatsApp than I would say, you know, in general here in the U.S., most people aren't using WhatsApp as much as people in Europe, in Asia, in South America. Um, but I think WhatsApp channels is interesting. And there's a lot of news organizations that are getting on WhatsApp channels. The New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post. Um, there are also celebrities. There are also creators who are getting on WhatsApp channels. So I'm very interested in this and just curious to see where that's going. Um, I'm interested in LinkedIn. LinkedIn's had something of a revival this year. We've seen, uh, I think it was Bloomberg said LinkedIn is cool again. Uh, there have been headlines that like teenagers love LinkedIn because there's less drama and toxicity than other platforms. Um, it's not necessarily reflected in the numbers. Um, and they did have some layoffs recently, but I just, I think it's interesting. There's kind of like a very positive sentiment around LinkedIn. So I think uh, the platform is in a little bit of a, like kind of a renaissance phase. So I think that's really interesting. We're also seeing companies kind of reinvent their personas on the platform. Um, there's a lot of software companies that are kind of using LinkedIn now almost like their previous Twitter slash X 
platform personalities. Uh, so I think that's really interesting. And then Instagram, um, I just think it's really solid. I think if I were to pick TikTok over Instagram, um, I'm I, I'm picking Instagram. That's a big that's a big uh, one since people are watching TikTok yep. closely. I love that. Um, last thing I just want to ask you today. Oh my God, this has been such a great conversation. We're going to have to have you back in six months since you just uh, sort yes. of offered to ask you again. Um, but, you know, a lot of our chief influencers tell us they get inspiration for how they influence outside of their own industry or their own sort of space. And I wonder if, if you get any um, inspiration for how you influence outside of the you know, the day-to-day of marketing and creators where you spend a lot of your time? Um, Yes, I have to log off. That is like the most important thing. I think because I spend so much time online, I'm constantly on my laptop or on my phone. I think the biggest thing for me is logging off. Um, I try to go, I live in LA. Uh, Sometimes people criticize LA for not having enough culture. That is not true. We have great culture in LA. It's different culture. We just have a lot of culture. I go to museums. I try to go to museums um, as often as I can. The Hammer Museum, the Peterson Museum, the um, Film uh, Academy Awards Museum, um, the LACMA. Like artists are the original creators. So just trying to like absorb art and creations. Sorry. um, It just kind of helps stimulate my brain and kind of like re-inspire me and see, you know, what other people are obsessed with and and creating. Um, and that just helps a lot. And then I think also um, I'm really interested in access to information. And I think like that's what my newsletter is. My newsletter is all about getting people information they need to make better business decisions. I love sharing information with people. And so I love, I love old school newspapers. I love the community section of newspapers that would tell people, you know, what's on this weekend, where to go. I love bulletin boards and, you know, that tell people what's happening. Um, I love the UCLA bulletin boards that tell students, you know, like where to find classes and how to find a a guitar teacher and how to find um, coaches, for example. And so um, I think that is interesting to me and kind of just informs like a good bulletin board, just like informs my idea of what my newsletter should be and like clean, concise, valuable information. Um, that I, I love that, Leah, because it really is. I mean, um, it is a great just overview of key information that you want to know you can click through in some cases to get more details it has that sort of visual appeal and so yeah bulletin board i really like that i really like that analogy and i love a good bulletin board you know there's a few i'm thinking of in the physical world that like i always if i'm walking by make sure to look at because there is something really satisfying about getting that that information of exactly what you need in a local way. And wouldn't it be good if we all kind of remembered that, right? Like logging off, like you said, for inspiration, museums, bulletin boards, because um, we love digital and we love social, but you know, it's not like the answer to every uh, solution in life, is it? 
technology does not solve for everything. And I think we need to remember that as much as we love it, it yeah. doesn't solve for everything. So I think it's like sometimes you need to love it to appreciate it and come back to it. Oh, well, what a great place to end. Leah, congratulations on your recognition as a chief influencer. I'm sure everyone can tell why you are part of this esteemed community now. And thank you for spending time with us today. But can you just tell everybody where to find you if they want to um, subscribe to your newsletter in one of the places that they can find it or to follow you elsewhere? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, They can find me on Substack, leahhaberman.substack.com. And again, it's going to say ICYMI, which stands for in case you missed it. Um, And you can also find me on LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter. And um, it's at Leah Haberman. Uh, Yeah. They can subscribe to the newsletter right on uh, on LinkedIn if that's their preferred platform. Now you have it there. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. This was absolutely a pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Chief Influencer, a production of Social Driver and the Communications Board. If you know a leader who should be featured as a chief influencer, please nominate them at chiefinfluencer.org. For show notes and more, visit us at chiefinfluencer.org or follow Chief Influencer on LinkedIn. Until next time.